So I feel like this is adjacent to the topic today, but it's not exactly about the topic. But I think my biggest fear, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately with what's been going on on the California coastline. Mm -hmm. But I am like terrified of tsunamis. Now, is there... Even tsunamis on the California coast, or is that not really an actual thing we have to worry about? No, it is. It, it is? is okay. Okay. If you're by any coastline. It, that is a possibility. And especially next to a fault line. You know what? I guess I just didn't, I have not informed myself about the phenomenon, so I don't really know much about it. I mean, maybe it's another future episode, but yeah. they are like fucking terrifying. There's nothing to do. Like as soon as you notice the signs of a tsunami, uh-huh. you are probably already fucked. Really? Okay. So you, there's, there's no warning. There. So I was like trying to figure it out. Cause it's like I said, it's like something I've been thinking a lot about with the waves and stuff that have been outrageous, just like eating up the coastline lately. And it will happen after a succession of earthquakes. So that's okay. like sure. That's, that's not one necessarily a solidified sign, especially since like earthquakes happen all the time, right? Like if you there's times where I think I feel an earthquake and I feel like I've said this before on this podcast, but I will look up, you know, did I just feel an earthquake? And there will be an earthquake on there in California, not close enough that I would have felt it, but hmm. They're like constant. There's like always stuff moving. And so I think these earthquakes have to be kind of significant because it's going to shift. It means shifting's happening. And then yeah. that's going to affect the tide. And the other way, the other sign I know of is that like you'll see the the water recede mm. where it normally wouldn't and it'll like will significantly recede like way back. So you'll see like what's normally underwater revealed and then the big tidal comes back. At you. Is there a seasons? You know, maybe we should just save this for the episode. with ghosts i'm molly and i'm here today with the weather expert bridget hello today is the day that i decided that we were going to go back to those teasers that i talked about so we have two stories here we'll try to fit them in there they are both a little long but they're also like a little short so we'll kind of play with a little short a little long that's how we like to do it here the first one is from 1910 whoa it is known as both the deadliest avalanche in U.S. history and the worst train disaster in U.S. history. Uh, it's also the worst natural disaster in the state of Washington to this day. So, uh, Oh, wow. Pretty big deal. Yeah, I feel like Washington gets a lot of weather. Yeah, I think so. That's so that's kind of interesting. Mostly because of the Cascade Mountains, I think, which is where this story takes place. Oh, boy. Because on February 23rd of 1910, two trains are traveling on the Great Northern Railroad's westbound tracks. This sounds like a math problem. Yes, exactly. From Spokane to Seattle, Washington. One of them is a passenger train and one of them is the fast mail train. 
So it's just carrying like U.S. mail? Yes. Okay. It does seem like that. But three days into the trip, a large blizzard causes high snowdrifts in the Cascade Mountains. And despite work to clear the tracks, the train is stuck in Wellington, Washington, which is a small village in King County, just past the Stevens Pass. I do believe we talked about Stevens Pass at some point. Wellington itself was founded in 1893 as, as a railway town, which pretty much means that the only people that live there are people who work for the railway. So hobos. No, like people <laughs> who actually work for the railway. <laughs> Because back then, the railway was much more important to life, especially life in the Northwest, getting around and getting your stuff around and all those kind of things. Before the car lobbyists came. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Because of the storms, telegraph lines were also down. They could not really uh, communicate with the outside. Oh, off the grid. Yeah, there's... Nothing that the passengers and train personnel can really do but wait out the storm in Wellington. The Wellington train station is located near the base of Windy Mountain, but has it had no protective cover at the time. Um, I think it's because there may have been some uh, wildfires in the area that had taken out a large portion of the uh, station. So, oh, really? It's pretty much just uncovered. We had a sunroof situation. Yes. How? So they're, they've stopped. They started on the 23rd, a few days in, like 26th. They're snowed in. They're stuck at Wellington. Then on February 28th, the weather conditions begin to change. Uh, The temperatures drop, but also thunderstorms and lightning are um, happening in the area. So there's more moisture in the air, but it is colder. Yes. Okay. It's bad. It's a bad time. Actually, I don't think it, I don't know if it is temperatures drop because I think I also read that there might've been some rain too. So maybe temperatures rose, but okay. it was still not enough to melt the snow. Or, you know, it's not a good time. And you're in the Cascade Mountains. It's just not a great time. So at 4.20 a.m. on March 1st, 50 passengers and 75 employees of the Great Northern Railroad are sleeping in the Spokane Express. They're sleeping in the train? They're sleeping in the train, which is unfortunate. Uh, There was a hotel and like kind of weird barracks for the railroad employees. But I think with so many people, they were not really expecting to have that many people there. Oh, sure. They had to stay on the train. Wow. And Charles Andrews, a rail worker and resident of Wellington, witnessed the disaster and described the scene as such. White death moving down the mountainside above the trains. Relentlessly it advanced, exploding and roaring, rumbling, grinding and snapping. A crescendo of sounds that might have been the crashing of 10,000 freight trains. It descended to the ledge where the side tracks lay, picked up cars and equipment as though they were so many snow-draped toys and swallowed them up, disappearing like a white broad monster into the ravine below. Um, Note to the editor, we should have Ken Burns music playing. (laughs) Yes, yes. Because because it is uh, a callback in time, but also maybe that would make it sound less horrific. 
it is it's pretty horrific and it, i can imagine it being also horrific watching it happen yeah and pick up like an entire train two entire trains and push them over the edge the spokane express and the mail train were both thrown from the tracks down a nearby gorge 150 feet deep into the Tai river valley whoa the wellington station was wiped away though the town's hotel and store were untouched wow yes do you think that's instant death for a lot of people uh yes quite a few of them i will discuss a little bit about that oh molly this research must have been hard for you yeah i mean it was pretty dark um (laughs) but also why it also uh ventures into the paranormal oh girly so at the bottom of the gorge, the trains were covered by 40 to 70 feet of snow and debris. And of course, the telegraph lines are down, so they're unable to call for immediate help. But despite the risks of further avalanches, many people pitched in to try to dig out the survivors. It was not until the night of March 2nd that assistance was able to get there. So by that time, 23 people had been pulled out alive, most with serious injuries. 23? Yep. 23. That's not bad. I mean, I'm sure it's only a fraction of yes. who got oh. swept, but still. It's not bad. I mean, it's certainly... You hundred, what did you say, 150 feet into a yeah. gorge or something? Uh, the, inju- the injured were sent to Wenatchee. And the bodies of the dead were transported in toboggans down the west side of the Cascade Mountains to trains that then carried them to Everett and Seattle. Oh, wow. And that was 96 people who died in the avalanche. Oh, wow. That uh, included 35 passengers, 58 railroad employees, and then three additional railroad employees who were sleeping in the cabins owned by the rail line. That's pretty intense. Indeed. The immediate cause of the avalanche was the rain and thunder, but conditions had also been caused by the clear cutting of the timber and by forest fires that I had previously mentioned, which cleared off the slopes above the tracks, which Created an ideal environment for the oh yeah avalanche. made like a slip and slide yep it's true very very bad in the aftermath of the tragedy uh, this was in March and by October the town actually changed its name they didn't they because it was associated with su- such a tragedy they ended up changing the name to Ty instead of Wellington. The town went into, uh, what is that called? Witness protection. Yeah. And they did uh, rebuild the lines, however, and create protective tunnels and a concrete snow shed a half mile long to prevent this in the future. So then in the future, you just get snowed into a snow shed. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Awesome. Die a much slower death. However, I did read, interestingly, um, in one of my sources that there was another disaster on January 22nd of 1916. So even though they had built these protective tunnels and snow sheds, there was another avalanche on Windy Mountain, uh, which took two rail 
cars over a 80 foot embankment and killed eight passengers. Well, the the death count went down at least. Yes, yes. Which is probably a result of the further protections. However, even still, Ty was abandoned in 1929 when a second Cascade Tunnel, which is still in use today, was completed and then negated the entire need for Ty to exist. Oh, because you can just bypass the town? Yeah. So it does not exist anymore. However, the old rail line is now a popular hiking trail called the Iron Goat Trail. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Um, It's a six-mile loop. Only 700 feet of elevation gain, and the highest point is 2,800 feet. Um, And there's, of course, lots of history, and you can go see a, there's like a rail car and like a little museum history, Uh, more just like plaques and things like that. And just uh, uh, another place that the history of this area is recorded is with the Asian American History Centers, which note that these railways were mostly built by Japanese immigrants. I was just going to ask if it was because of who built the railroad. Not that maybe there was a large Japanese population stuck in the avalanche. Yes. So when the tunnel was built, the buildings in Wellington were either torn down or burned down, perhaps, in attempts to prevent future wildfires. But here's where it gets spooky because Ooh. this Iron Goat Trail is a haunted hiking trail. It is the you see people like in their snow coats or something. Perhaps uh, it is the third most haunted place in Washington. The article mentioned one and two words. <laughs> no, I just I just thought it'd be interesting to know. Yeah, I just that's 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 just what I read. And according to AmericanHauntingsInc.com, it's no surprise that such an event could happen, for the mountains had claimed many lives over the years. The explorers and railroad builders who came to the region knew that death waited here. As they attempted to conquer the western mountains, they found that the Cascade Range in Washington was among the greatest challenges they would ever face. Because these mountains are covered in ice and snow for most of the years and are very steep and treacherous. Is there like any friendly mountains? No, probably not. No. But you can imagine. Well, I mean, in the time in the like, there's not there's not really any other way to get to Washington. Oh, sure. So like, I get to that uh, free land. Yes. You're either going to come by ship or you're going to somehow pass these treacherous mountains. Have so. you seen that that meme where it's like Mount Everest and you can see like the bodies sticking out of the snow? And then the oh. meme's like every everyone who's ever climbed Mount Everest was a highly motivated person. It's OK for you to settle down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not. That it, that part does, it's very frightening because it's like you get to the point where like it's not even safe for y- people to bring the bodies back down. Like you, you're, you're in some dangerous territory. Yeah. Ugh. So because uh, of this treacherous area, those who visit say that they can feel a very tangible history at the spot. Really? Yes. Uh, the tingles? Uh, tingles. It's not just ghost hunters who believe the place is haunted. Many 
park rangers don't won't go to the disaster site or even to the nearby parking lot. Why? Many speak of the uncomfortable and sometimes oppressive feelings they feel as they navigate the hiking trail, walking through the old snow shed, or walking through the darkness of the crumbling railroad tunnel. I should um, show you some pictures because you can see how it could be a little spooky. Uh, be- just because well, it is a railroad tunnel, that's just spooky. Yeah, yeah. No matter what, uh, it's pretty rundown, and so like this one is the concrete snow shed. It looks like uh, what do you call that? An underpass or something? Yeah, yep. That just like. And the way they built it, because there's like these columns, it kind of looks even, I think you said it was a half mile, but it looks like it goes on forever. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there's definitely got to be a Bigfoot around there too. Yeah. Supposedly you can see maybe some of the uh, remains of things, though. I never did see a picture of that. Like uh, stuff in the town or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone report seeing anything or is just people are like, I feel bummed out when I go there? Yes, it's not just odd feelings and weird cold spots. Many claim to have heard and seen things. Ooh. Some inexplicable voices echoing off the stone in the tunnels. Maybe even some screaming. Classic. Yes. Some of these things have been recorded on devices. Oh, did you? Did you look that up? Uh, yes. Well, sort of. Uh, so Vaughn Hubbard, 62, a Monroe researcher and historian with the Northwest Paranormal Investigation Agency, says that it is very active. Um, oh, this is where the, the ghost hunters rank it as one of the top three haunted locations in the state. Oh. So I do okay. think it is the ghost like, hunters are saying yeah. this. It's not the travel channel. No, no, this is like the the real people. People who uh, go ghost hunting. The people with the electromagnetic wands. Yep. yep. I tried to find like actual people, uh, like their actual responses. But um, most I could find was mostly like one woman was like, I tried to record things and then there's a bunch of malfunctions. It's like, oh, if you're ghost hunting, you should be prepared for your yeah, amateur. <laughs> why why would you even bother telling anyone that story? You just sound like a fucking moron. Mm. Uh, but uh that's all I have for that one. All right, putting it on my list to visit. Yeah, I think it would be I mean it seems like a beautiful area, but also don't go during the winter. Because you won't be able to see anything and it will be covered in stuff. But it probably has the best ghost activity then. You're probably right. So um, paranormal researchers have been using high-tech video and audio equipment since 2004. Okay. That's when all that stuff kind of became available. There is quite a few, uh, yeah, ghost hunters. But I wonder, it sounds like these ghost hunters really just like to hike. And are kind of looking for an excuse to go hiking. But... They're like secret outdoors. No, I'm here for the ghost. I'm not here to get fit. It kind of seems like that. I love ghosts. Hiking's for for (laughs) jocks. I'm here for the ghosts. So my other story today is the Diet Love Pass incident. 
what is it called? The Diet Love. Diet Love. Diet Love. It's, it's okay. in the Ural Mountains, so it is Russian. Okay. And this is maybe an incident you have heard of, because it's also in a paranormal adjacent incident. Oh, okay. On February 1st of 1959, nine Russian hikers were hiking through the Ural Mountains. Uh, they pitched a tent for the night. However, hours later, all nine fled the safety of the tent and perished in freezing and snowy conditions. I think I have heard this one. Yeah, you probably have. Yep. Some succumbed to hypothermia, but others were found with grisly injuries. So the group originally consisted of 10 highly experienced hikers who were students and recent graduates of the Ural Polytechnical Institute. So they were all educated. Yes. And young. And, and smart. Smart, young, fit, hot, nerd dorks. Exactly. Probably looking for ghosts. Yes. really out for a hike. However, there was one man, odd man out, uh, Semyon Zolotaryov, who was a last minute addition and at 37, conspicuously older than the others. Okay, very sus. Mm -hmm. In the early uh, stages of the trek, one member dropped out due to ill health, which is how we get back to nine. But... The rest of the group carries on, and we know this because they took photographs and recorded diary entries about the trip that are later found with their belongings. belongings. Weeks later, a search party is sent to locate the missing hikers, and what they find are the remains of the tent on the side of a mountain called Kolat Sayakl. Inside the tent, there were the hikers' boots, clothes, and maps, along with Food laid out seemingly for a meal. The side of the tent had been slashed open from the inside. And closest to the tent, at a base of a nearby tree, next to an extinguished campfire, lay the corpses of 21-year-old Yuri Doroshenko and 23-year-old Yuri Krivoneshenko who had seemingly died from the cold, but also exhibited burn marks and abrasions. Yeah, I've definitely heard this one before. Yes. Uh, not far away, lying in snow, were the bruised bodies of the group's leader, 23-year-old Igor Dietlov, which I guess is the why the pass is named the Dietlov Pass, and 22-year-old 20, 20, Zinaida Kolmogorova. They both looked like they had been trying to return to the tent when they died. Some days later, the they do find the body of 23-year-old Rustem Slobodin, who was discovered with a fractured skull. And the remaining hikers were found in a ravine near a shelter they were attempting to carve out of the snow. Man, they're like all over the place. Yes, they are, which is interesting. Nicolet Thibodeau Briganol had a caved-in skull where, while Alexander Kolotov had a deformed neck and was missing eyebrows, uh, the oldest hiker, Semyon Zolotarov... What does that even mean? Like, were they shaved? Were they frozen off? Um, were they well, ripped a off? Spoiler alert! A lot of people say that this is because of animals who would have consumed oh well, sure flesh before the I thought rest you were going to say it's there. a sign of hypothermia no 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 you rip out your eyebrows um because uh another person who was had a crushed chest with multiple broken ribs 
was missing their eyes and other people were missing their tongue. And supposedly, because these are like softer, fleshier parts of the body, scavenging animals would have consumed them. What kind of scavenging animals do we have in this part of the world? Do we know? I know. I do not know. I wonder if... You said this was the Ural Mountains? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, that's right. Ural Mountains predators. Yeah. Oh, we got bears, wolves, wolverines. Oh, there you go. So a criminal investigation was carried out by a prosecutor, Lev Ivanov, but he ended up coming to the cryptic conclusion, quote, the cause of their demise was an overwhelming force which the hikers were not able to overcome. Which is so vague. Yes, very vague. I mean, that's why um, I'm sure you have the conspiracies to this. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, early on, one of the earliest conspiracies or theories was that the Dyatlov party may have been killed by the Mansi, which were the indigenous people of the region. Oh, the idea that the hikers would have been slaughtered for straying onto sacred land or perhaps as some shamanic ritual. However, one of the reasons this would have been first proposed was because of entries in the diaries that of the hikers. Uh, we often see Mansi signs on the trail. I wonder what they write about. Zenaida oh. Omagoro noted in her diary um another hiker wrote mancy writers appear on trees all sorts of obscure mysterious characters well it's definitely could be them but this has been roundly demunked as a baseless theory rooted in the misunderstanding of the mancy culture and rituals and indeed if they were had been rounded up and murdered why were the bodies found in different locations some more injured than others because they're indigenous people. They don't need to abide by our cultural way of murdering people. Maybe they have their own way of murdering people. Yes, but I think the idea is that it's more like white people being afraid of indigenous people. Well, and white people are afraid of indigenous <laughs> people. Attributing violence to them because they are misinformed and racist. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> Both can be true. <laughs> Two members of the Diet Love group have been the focus of some particular speculation, including the 37-year-old Semyon Zolotarov, who was a veteran of World War II. Uh, why would he have been attached to this group of young students and graduates? Is this the old guy? The old guy, yep. Yeah, that's a bit sus, but... I feel like there's always one old in a group of youngs. It's possible, yeah. And like I, they always make a way in there. Every group, every young group has that one old friend. I think that's not surprising. But with him, and then also one of the hikers named Yuri Kravonishenko had this one, this man <laughs> had helped clean up a radioactive leak at a secret. Soviet yes. nuclear facility. This and was one I was going to bring up when I yeah. said, are we going into conspiracies? So according to this theory, uh, it would have been Zolotaryov, the old one, Gruvishenko, and potentially a third hiker who were working for the KGB. 
They definitely were. It's a KGB, baby. And on this hike, they were actually rendezvousing with CIA agents. Yeah. Business, business meets pleasure. Supposedly, according to the theory, they were going to be handing over radioactive material and fake nuclear secrets. And while doing so, we're supposed to take photos of the American agents. Now, where does this information come from again? Sorry. Interestingly enough, this comes from the Sky History Channel, pretty much. And it does not actually have their sources on here. Okay. It just, but I, I wonder if they're, they are getting away with it because they're just speaking about other people's theories. Yeah. This is just the culmination of everyone else. There's a lot of work. details here. Yes. And it works for me if there's someone alleged behind it. But if it's just like, these are how deep the details have gotten from conspiracy conspiracy nuts then yes. it's like okay this is getting this is getting into like some fanfic here yeah it does kind of seem like that it is very interesting that we know all of their ages and names and well the kids and stuff in the group makes sense i mean like they were kgb agents and they're yeah. trading secrets and they're supposed to take pictures and one of them's american it's like wait how do you know all that because people were very, very interested in it in 1959. I mean, it's post Roswell, so before Kennedy. It's a ripe, mm. it's a ripe time. But it gets weirder. Of course it does. Of course it does. That's what we're oh, here for. Well, first, the theory, to end the theory, the CIA men get wise. What's going on? Which leads to a fight breaking out and the massacre of the Day at Love party. I gotta say, though... If that were the case, the CIA did. I mean, they were ready to fight. Yeah, they would have been way ready to fight if they if none of them had died and only the Russians had. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Unless they had nuclear advanced weapons that we don't even know about. Very possible. Because in 1990, well, not nuclear, but this <laughs> next theory does have an interesting point to it. In 1990, Lev Ivanov, the man who led the initial investigation, published a sensational article claiming he had been ordered to censor some of the key findings of his investigation, which included char marks on trees near where the bodies were found. It was a nuclear attack. Maybe. In Ivanov's view, it was... Confirmed a source of heat ray. Oh, maybe it was aliens. Yes, it may have been. His article also alleges that of there were floating balls of light and other weird phenomenon in the Ural Mountains in February. Was that in their diaries? Um, no, I don't believe so, but... Ivanov's quote is based on the evidence gathered. The role of UFOs in this tragedy is quite obvious. That's uh, yeah. I mean, could it not be more obvious? Um, I don't know. But but you know, now that you're but we were just talking about the CIA. Like maybe they have heat rays. Yeah, but aliens. It's a good contender. Yes, 
But would aliens leave char marks? That I feels don't. man-made. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's possible because some people who talk about this theory also say it could have been experimental Soviet weapons. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was, I don't know, it's so weird that they were like all spread out doing different things. Yes, yes. Because then it's like, presumably, they all died at the same time. Right, right. But would you be able to tell? I don't think you would really be able to tell, though. Because maybe they got lost and it was super cold. I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty wild. But another theory, and it's possible we did discuss this at... During a cryptids episode is that the I, the group was killed by Yeti. Yeah. The theories behind this rest on a picture taken by one of the hikers, which shows a dark humanoid figure seemingly skulking by a tree. Oh, I mean, it still could be the Mansies. It could be the Mansies. It could be Bigfoot. It could be CIA. Also, apparently there was one line in a hiker's diary that did say, the Yeti lives in the northern Urals near Mount Orton, though most people believe that it was clearly intended to be a joke. It's not so funny now. (laughs) (laughs) How do they know it was supposed to be a joke? What was the line before that? Knock, knock? It's true. I, I don't know. I don't know. It could be a Yeti. I'm not ruling it out. But why did it stalk and kill every single member of the group? Because you're a Yeti. And um, that's what you want to do. Yeah, get the fuck off my mountain, you dumb bitch. Maybe. Of course, the most widely accepted theory is the most mundane because it is the group fled the tent because of a slab avalanche. But wouldn't they be buried in the snow? Well, I think the idea is that it was like 29 days later, so... They were able to sort of like, I think the idea is that the avalanche came down and they were like all bruised and battered. And then they were trying to make their way up to back to the tent and died from exposure. Oh, and their injuries. But that you had two people trying to dig into a shelter or something. Yes, but that's because they were at the bottom of a ravine. So let's say they all fled from the tent. Okay. They get wrapped up in the avalanche and then they're like, oh, we need to find shelter now. But they could not because they were injured. I thought there was also, and I don't know if I'm making this up. I thought there was also like some sort of wind theory. Like, yes, the wind is a... uh, the winds would be part of the avalanche theory because the mountain winds known as the catabatic winds are kind of the cause of how, why the avalanche would have occurred hours after they had initially. So what they did when they pitched the tent was they actually dug into the snow, which apparently is like a thing. Which I don't think that seems like a really bad idea. What they Why? did, well, because of what we know about avalanches and like if you're, you, they like dug into the snow. They like build like kind of a wall and put the tent right there. But then well, when you, you're like making the whole snow base unstable, I well, I think there would be an educated way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right. But then because of the winds, also, yeah, then like. 
I think that there's just a lot of bad things that are going into causing this avalanche. Yeah, they're not they're not obviously paying attention to the elements because they all got killed. Yes. Whether if it's an avalanche or a CIA operative and they did not notice. They did not notice that the 37-year-old was a mole. <laughs> Very possible. That actually makes sense. That's like that Steve Buscemi mean. He's like, hey, kids, what's up? When he's like trying to be a high school kid. I think it's like... Oh, yeah. All right. So just to... I'm going to talk a little bit more about how why people are skeptical and then some rebuttals of that. Skeptical about what? About the uh, details of the avalanche theory. Oh, okay. Uh, because there are some reasons why it wouldn't be an avalanche. People don't believe it. Uh, this would be because the, I guess the problem was that the area that they were at, it w- would not have been a regular place for an avalanche. And that's why people are like, so maybe even if they had been knowledgeable hikers and knowledgeable about avalanches, they would still have picked this spot and felt like it was safe. Yeah. They were a little cocky, maybe. 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 So, like I said, they choose to put the tent under a somewhat steeper slope to protect them from the wind by uh, cutting into a snow slab. There was, according to, this is an article written for Communications Earth and Environment, where they uh, kind of give the scientific arguments why this could have actually been an avalanche. Um, and I did not read the whole thing, and it was a lot of science and math. But I, I believed them, and I kind of am trying to uh, explain what they said. So, and it's, and it's related to our avalanche. Well, it's okay. I'm dumb. You don't have to, you don't have to oversell it to me. So, you know, we, we talked about this. There, there being, like, a weak snow layer. Mm-hmm in the area which could have resulted in the snow slab and then the of course the strong catabotic winds and what they do is they cause progressive snow accumulation on the area above the tent which would have caused the avalanche and also because they create this snow slab but then the winds continue to blow and the snow continues to accumulate then the weight of that extra Snow would have caused the avalanche hours after they had already set up the tent. Sure. Okay. And then also they did do some scientific studying about how uh, uh, they did dynamic avalanche simulations, which suggests that even a relatively small slab could have led to the severe but non-lethal thorax and skull injuries as reported in the examination. So they even went as far to explain that this even a a smaller avalanche could have caused those injuries okay um they do say that uh of course i mean it was probably an alien yeti very possible uh so solving this mystery is an enormous task which is far beyond the scope of this paper however they hope that their work may contribute to determining the uh, plausibility of an avalanche being the actual answer. Well, I feel like there's definitely a lot more to sort of learn about avalanches. Yes, exactly. So 
whether or not it was an avalanche, yeah. I mean, it probably caused them to create, like you said, the math and the reasoning for what's possible. Right. Oh, gosh. Sorry. One more thing. Oh, part of the uh, spy thing was that there was radioactive material found in the clothing of the victims. Oh. Yes. There And there is no... No one, there's no scientific explanation for why that would be the case. Yeah. Okay. So now I think that completely rules out the avalanche for me. Thank you. <laughs> well, see, it, uh, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, I wonder if there's radioactive material on the mountain and the avalanche bringing it down would have is that, spread it out. But I is don't that know. where radioactive material is, is I it mean, in mountains? It's, it's, I think, I mean, it's kind of in the earth. I mean, it's in the earth, right? Like that's what it's a, it is a technically a chemical element, which is found. But is it like, isn't it, um, I guess radium for instance, is whatever we just said, radiation. But it could be a lot of different reasons. Like, I don't know. Cause I was going to say, does it, maybe it's a, would it, does it have to be, um, a chemical reaction, but no, it wouldn't, right? I'm not sure. That probably goes beyond what we really know. But at the same time, like the guy who cleaned up a radiation spill earlier, like, I don't know that. Oh, no. Now we have to do a Chernobyl episode. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Well, that's all I have today for our supernatural paranormal connections to avalanches. Do they cause ghosts? Are they caused by yetis or mistaken for yetis? I don't know. Well, the first one, I don't think there's ghosts. Okay. Mm, Even though lots of people say there's an oppressive feeling in the uh, trail. And ghost hunters like to pretend like they're hunting ghosts and instead just want to enjoy the trail. See, like that. Yeah, I need (laughs) I need video evidence. But I do think the guys in the mountain, they were up to no good. Maybe. Who knows? Unless there's radioactive material in that mountain. (laughs) Which, I mean, maybe. That's going to like, I'll be awake until 3 a.m. Trying to figure that one out. Like, yeah. Like, what if there's a... Some sort of, I don't know, radioactive waste facility. You know, like the Russians were, I don't know, doing something with it in those mountains. Who knows? It could be a lot of explanations, but there could, I don't know, probably too complex. Well, maybe I'll do some personal research. But thank you for the research you did. This is very good. This was very fun. Uh, Where else can people find your fun and interesting thoughts? You can find me on Blue Sky at Molly M, Instagram at Molly M 9 How about you? Uh, so I started a new Instagram account. I have gotten into event management and I thought it'd be fun to start posting about my job because it's kind of weird and unique. So I've started that. So you can find that. That's at Events Bridget. And you can find this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at sex with ghosts underscore um, you can always dm us or at us and we usually respond you can also follow us i guess too and you can 
show further support by giving us five-star review wherever you get your podcast or going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. Oh, that reminds me. We did get a fun um, blue sky comment about could dragons be the original UA? Oh, P. E. I couldn't remember what the last letter was, but it does make sense. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense in a like, oh, it's back in the olden days and you see something flying and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, it could either be, I mean, the dragons could even be aliens. Oh my God. Now we're our, now everyone's an alien. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my conclusion. Yeti's an alien. Same. Dragons are aliens. The KGB is an alien. Oh, 100%. CIA is aliens. CIA is aliens. White women are aliens. Well, okay. thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.